Amen. God bless everyone today. Okay, that was about one-fifth of the people said God bless back. So let's do this again. God bless everybody today. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Good to see you all. It's good to be here. Good to be in a place where I've never been, but I thank God. I feel so comfortable. I feel at home. And I have to say, this is the coolest church. Uh, this, this is, I like the setting here. You know, you, you can't quite sit all the way back. So you got to kind of sit up and listen. So I really like the setting here at this, uh, this church. And I thank God for this. Amen. You say what? I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble by saying that. So, so I just say that this is a nice place to have church. But uh, I, I, I thank God for being here today. I, I genuinely do. And um, this is the first time, obviously, that I'm here, but the first time officially that I'm able to say thank you for your contributions on last year to support Walk Across the Street Ministry and what we're doing, trying to bring a form of reconciliation between the cultures. Uh, the elephant in the room is that on Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday mornings are the most segregated day of the week. And that's the elephant in the room when we celebrate the same God and when we worship the same God, when we love the same God. When we, when we, 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 I read the songs, I was listening to the songs, and I'm saying that's the same Jesus that, that everybody else is singing about, that, that we were singing about, that we're going to sing later on in our church. But it's, it's kind of sad in a way that we have to be so divided, kind of sad. So my heart today is that we bring forth a message that, that you hear a message today that deals with revival, reconciliation, us coming together as one, for our churches may never be integrated because of cultural preference, but our hearts can be integrated together as one, and that's really what it is. Because you may not like or you may not prefer loud, boisterous music with a drum set blasting and people hollering into the microphone on Sunday morning. Or you may, you may prefer a more meditative style of music where you can contemplate and really absorb. That's cultural differences. But when we look at the content of what I believe God wants to get across is that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I need, and I'm going to go ahead and start the, the message on today. Now, in my church, I explain to them, I say, if you say amen, that means that you understand, and I can go on. <laughs> but if you don't say anything, <laughs> that means I have to explain. <laughs> now, it's up to you how long I'm up here today. <laughs> okay, so, so everybody say amen. amen. Okay, okay, we're on the same page. Well, when looking at our city, as, as we explained earlier, looking at our city, we are divided. We're looking at our communities. We're, we're divided. Look at the congregation here. Look at my congregation at True Freedom Cornerstone. Just look around. We're divided. And much of it, we're divided, not just because of preference, but many of us are divided because we grew up in a divided city. You grew up in a city, Chicago, a metropolitan city, a world-class, world-renowned city. Even though when I went to Jerusalem, they still think of Chicago as bang, bang, shoot them up. But 
It's a world-class city where we ought to be mature enough in 2018 to get beyond little differences. Cultural color, color, really? Color differences? You know, hair type differences, lip size differences, nose size differences. Come on, we still on that? We still talking about that kind of stuff in 2018? Well, the reality is yes. And, it, and you know what? It, it's okay that we can identify it and talk about it and share with that. Because in the world, I kind of expect that. Because the world is filled with sin. It's filled with garbage. It's filled with a bunch of pride. It's filled with a bunch of people who, well, it's, it, all they want is money, sex, trying to get up, trying to be the best, stepping on people. It's a dog-eat-dog world. It's all about me, myself, and I, not everyone else. I expect that in the world. But the sad part is that it has filtered into the church, where we're divided by political lines as if Republicans are going to have a better seat in heaven than the Democrats, as if the nonpartisan people are, are more holy than those who carry a, a blue or red. It, come on. This stuff is filtered into the body of Christ. And this is what, this is what I would say totally displeases God because we, are, we ought to be one in Christ. What does the Bible say? Remember when Jesus prayed in John 17? Maybe you guys remember his, his final prayer when he was talking before he went to the cross. He said, Lord, make them one. Lord, make them one. Even as we are one, make them one. Make them one. Put them on the same page. Make them one, even as you and I are one. Why can't we be the answer to Jesus' prayer. We pray all the time for stuff. Many of us, how many of you all have ever prayed for stuff? I pray all the time for stuff. I want stuff. And we pray and we pray and we pray. But how about less in turn being the answer of what Jesus prayed? Lord, let them be one. I think we can. And I think that we can based upon what I see in the text in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. I really do. I think it's hidden there, but if we really look into the text of what's there, there's some meat on that bone that I think that we can chew on today that will help us to bring reconciliation and thusly bring a sense of revival to this city. Because what this city needs is not a new mayor. Someone say amen. Because some of y'all might think we do need a new mayor. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe we do need a new mayor. I don't know. Maybe we need some new aldermen. Maybe we do need that. Maybe we need that. But what I think we need more than anything else is revival. I think we need a flow of the Spirit of God to reach into these clouds. Why do you think you're in a school? I believe the anointing that's in this room now, I believe it trickles into these lockers and into these kids when they come back. You know, it's a different building because you're here. Well, I'm here to tell you today that I believe that revival can happen in our city and it could begin with you. But when we look at the text and look at the pretext before this, I think you'll discover that revival can be closer than you think. Well, when we see this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 specifically, the Bible says, if my people, 
which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I'll forgive their sin. Then I will heal their land. This is what we need. We need God to hear us. We need God to forgive us. And then after that, we need God to heal us or to bring revival. When he says here, heal the land, you have to remember what happened in ancient days. When tormentors would come, when the enemies would come, and they would burn down their cities, they would burn them down so completely. They would take salt after they burned the city and put salt into their fields so that their fields wouldn't be able to produce. So what the people here, or what I should say, what Solomon was actually praying was that, Lord, if it gets that bad, if it gets so bad that the fields can't even produce, Lord, can you heal the land? Can you heal it? Can you make it better? In other words, can you make it produce again? You see, that's what revival is. Being able to produce again. Being, that's what reconciliation is. It's bringing together with life one more time, doing it again. Can that same ground that's been destroyed by racism and all the other isms, can that same ground produce can that same mouth that may have used profanity, uh, can that same mouth praise? Can that same person that may have been addicted to drugs or may have been addicted to foolishness or been addicted to craziness, can that same life now produce something great in God? I believe so. That's what revival is. Well, here, here we see Solomon. He actually now at this time prayed a prayer in the sixth chapter and the seventh chapter is God's answer. But let's look at what was happening here, and then we can go forward. You see, firstly, this was the highest time in Jewish history. The highest time, I believe, in Jewish history. Because this was a place at this point where there was complete peace in the land. Number one, there was peace. Solomon had made covenants, and uh, maybe some ungodly, some so you know, questionable, but he made covenants with all of the people around him so that there was not war in the land during the time of Solomon. So there was peace. And because there was peace, there was also prosperity because it didn't have to worry about war. We can build now. We don't have to worry about looking over our shoulders. We can do some things now. So there was prosperity in the land. Insomuch, the Bible says that a little gold and silver. It was like picking up rocks off the ground because there was so much gold and so much silver in the land and in the place. So there was prosperity. Everybody had a job. There were no unemployment lines. Everybody had something positive and productive to do. So there was peace. There was prosperity. But also what we find, there was national pride because the people actually, the people would come to visit Jerusalem. It was the great city. And I went there, just, I just got, I did just get off the plane. And I still have jet lag, so my thoughts aren't as clear as I'd like them to be. But I'm telling you, that is an amazing city. People come from all around the world to come see that old city. I mean, the streets of Jerusalem are amazing, going up and down and walking around. I got lost in the city of Jerusalem. I kind of got scared because I went over to the wrong section. But they got me out of the section, and I went to where I was supposed to go. But the point being, it was a beautiful city. I saw that western wall and the wailing wall, and I, I, I saw the, the dome on the rock and how amazing the place is. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. 
People would come. Visitors would come from all around. They wanted to see Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that was on a hill, there was national pride. There was pe the people were proud because they had Solomon, who was a great king, the wisest king of all. In fact, the queen of Sheba even came and said, I got to see, I got to pick this man's brain. I got to see, is it really like they said? She left out and went all the way back to Africa and she said, the half has not been told about this city and this man. Yes, there was national pride. But what was the most powerful was that the presence of God was there. The presence of God, the presence of Jehovah was manifesting in their presence, in their sight. The Bible said in the fifth chapter of 2 Chronicles, the Bible said that as they began to sing and as the priests began to worship, and if you look closely at the passage, I believe that's verse 11 in chapter 5, it talks about how they worshiped without division. They worshiped without division. The Levites were divided up into three groups, the Gershonites, the Merarites, and the Kohathites. Each of them had specific duties within the tabernacle. Well, guess what? They began to come together regardless of their positions, regardless of their duties, and they began to sing the praises of God. And when they sang the praises of God, you know what happened? The Bible said that the smoke of God or a cloud came down. The cloud came down so much that they had to stop doing what they were doing. The ministers in all of their clergy and their, uh, all of their vestments, they had to stop because the glory of the Lord was there. They had to stop their praise and worship music. They had to stop their preaching, their teaching, their sharing, their preparing the lamps. They had to just stop because so many times we get caught in pomp and circumstance. So many times we get caught in the celebration instead of the one that we ought to be celebrating. So God came down when they were praising and celebrating and he stopped their party for a moment and said, hey, it's about me. You're all on one page. There are no divisions. You don't care what color you are, what clan you're with, what tribe you're with. Now you're all on one accord. Now you all are singing. Yep, it's time for me to show up. And that's exactly what he did. He showed up. And the Bible says the ministers had to stop what they were doing. And they had to bow down and worship and give God the prayer. Isn't that awesome to think of? Do I have to explain Amen. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. 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 But then we see, since we see God's presence here, take a moment. What happened? After God's presence showed up, Solomon prayed a prayer because he knew, he knew, he knew that just because the roses were growing up today didn't mean that weeds wouldn't spring up tomorrow. He knew that people were he knew that people will smile in your face and then stab you in your back. He knew that people will change. He knew his people. He knew the children of Israel. 
Do you remember when they came across the Red Sea? Oh, they were shouting and giving God the glory. The Bible said that Miriam pulled out her, her timbrel or her, her tambourine, and they were dancing and shouting and dancing and shouting. But when they got thirsty and didn't have no water, they started saying, why in the world did you bring us out of Egypt? <laughs> People are fickle. They go up and down based upon circumstances and based upon their maturity. People go up and down. Solomon realized that. So this is what he said. He cried out to God and said, Lord, we got it good right now. And you've been good to us. And I'm paraphrasing. But he said, look, it's, you've, been, it's, you've been good to us and everything's been fine. But God, if these people act crazy and if they mess up and if they turn their backs on you especially after you've blessed us in this great place you've blessed us with this wonderful temple and, and you've blessed us with the tabernacle you've blessed us with all the good stuff lord if we blow it if your people which are called by your name will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and and, and turn from their wicked ways Lord, will you hear us from heaven? Lord, will you forgive our sin? Lord, we see the tabernacle, we see the temple, we see how you have blessed us and how you prospered us. And if we blow it, God, will you heal our land? Will you? Well, at that time, they offered up those sacrifices and he prayed that prayer. And the Bible said, fire came down from heaven. And again, God's presence saying, yes. God's presence saying, amen. God's presence saying, yes. If you guys get it together, I will answer. I haven't given up on you. Even though, even though, if you turn on me now, it would be like you spitting in my face. Even though Solomon's temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, it was prosperous, it was awesome, people came from all around to see. It was obviously the blessings of the Lord that was on these people of Israel's life. It was God's favor. And now, if they would turn their back, he said, yes, I'll heal your land. I'll do it. So God answered them publicly. But then, in 2 Chronicles 7, God goes to Solomon privately. I've come to find something out. I, 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 collectively is one thing, and we need to hear a word collectively. We do. Thank God for your wonderful pastor, and thank God for the people that minister every day. Thank God for those that come on Sunday morning. Aren't you glad to be able to say hallelujah and you're not by yourself when you say it? You know, it's good to be able to worship and clap and, and sing and dance and shout and give God the glory together with others. But I'm here to tell you, if you really want revival to happen, it has to firstly begin in your own heart. It has to begin in your own prayer closet. It has to begin while you're riding the L to work by yourself. It has to begin when you are at home, when nobody's looking, when nobody's watching, and you have that personal time with God, where God speaks to your heart. Where in, in, and see, God speaks to me all the time. He just doesn't use words. I haven't heard really God's voice. I can't say that I've heard a voice say, Michael. And I'm, if I heard that, I would probably get freaked out. But he speaks to me in unctions louder than words. He speaks to me through people. He speaks to me through the smile that are on people's faces. He speaks to me in all types of ways, and he obviously speaks to me through the word of God. But I need that. I need individual time where God will give me a word, where God will talk to me. You ought to feel, you ought to crave that. 
you want to, you want to, I'm not, this, maybe this isn't dealing with the text now, but I'm going to tell you, you ought to crave that. You ought to crave wanting to hear a word from God for yourself. You ought not want to just be dependent on the preachers, the priests, the pastors to come and give you a word and, and feed your word. Maybe you have a favorite preacher on YouTube that you like to watch and you've listened to all his sermons. And yes, God spoke to you through that. But every now and again, you ought to be able to get down on your own knees and clasp your own hands together and get down and say, God, speak to me. That's what I want. I want to hear God's voice for myself. Because I'm not sure what you might preach next Sunday. <laughs> but i got to hear God for me. And this is what happened with Solomon. He spoke publicly. God spoke. But then God came to him. And he gave them the answer and the keys to revival. And these are the keys. If my people stop. It is not up to the White House. It is not up to Congress. It is not up to the mayor's office to bring revival to Chicago. I'm sorry. Some people don't like Donald Trump. I like Donald Trump. I think he's kind of funny. <laughs> he's entertaining, you know. But the point, and, and I don't want to get in any political trouble. I'm not on either side or the other. I feel like this, and let me say this as a side, since I mentioned it. I feel like Joshua was. When Joshua, the angel of the Lord came to Joshua, and he, the angel of the Lord had his sword drawn, Joshua came up and said, who are you with? Are you with us, or are you with our enemies? The angel of the Lord said, and I paraphrase, I ain't with neither one of y'all. <laughs> I'm the captain of the Lord's army. So what did Joshua say? Oh, my fault. And he got down. You want to know what political side I'm on? I'm on the Jesus party. That's what side I'm on. Somebody say amen. 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 But anyway, back to, back to the text. Here we see that he says, look, if my people, the ones that are called by my name, us, he puts the responsibility on us, will humble themselves. The word humble means to admit that you don't have all the answers. The word humble means that you don't know all of the direction. You don't have all of the, you, you're, you're not the wisest person on earth. The word humble means that there's a greater answer outside of yourself. So you humble yourself knowing that your issues may not be the only issues in the whole wide world. Knowing that the world is bigger than you and we are to sacrifice ourselves for what's going on for the greater good. That's being humble. But then he says, if my people shall humble themselves and pray. I think that we as a group, as a people, I don't think we pray enough. I don't think we cry out to God enough. I don't think that we as a group of people, see, we want all of these programs to come in and somehow initiatives to come in and bring reconciliation. Please, Lord, bring the black people in. God, please, Lord, help, the, help us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Let me tell you something. I'm just going to use the vernacular that I use at my church. Baby, you can't worry about all of that, 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 that stuff. You got to cry out to God for yourself and pray and let God change you. 
And when God changes you, then you will be better. When God changes you, then you will be the element of revival that needs to be. Let me tell you something. I was walking as I came in. There's an apartment building right next door. A whole bunch of people live in that apartment building. See a whole bunch of black folk live over there. Seen a whole bunch of black folk walking all around. I seen a bunch of Latinos walking all around. It's a whole bunch of folks. So how can we integrate, integrate this church? By integrating your heart, saying this, I'm going to desire to go after other folks that don't look like me. And I'm not going to be afraid. But the only way you not be afraid, the only way for you to get up and go, man, you have to be bathed in prayer. And you have to know, God, give me the direction. Because when you pray, God gives answers. When you pray, God gives direction. When you pray, God will show you which way to go and he will prepare you on how to deal with whatever. You can have initiatives all day. We can walk across the street until we get to Mississippi. But I'm going to tell you something. Saints of God, it's up to us to make up our mind that we are going to seek God now more than we've ever sought him. Because that's what it says. If my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Someone say, seek my face. You know what that means? It means look at someone's face. I can look at your face and see what makes you happy, what makes you smile. I look at my wife all the time. I love looking at my wife. She's a pretty girl. I like looking at her. <laughs> but I can say certain things and it'll make her frown. And I say, uh-oh, I messed up. And then I can say certain things and then she'll put that big, pretty smile on that I love. I can say certain things and she won't react at all and it'll be like she's not even paying attention to me. But if I seek her face or her attention, then I know what she likes. When we seek the face of God, all it's talking about is seeking what God likes. What does God want? What would be God's best? But you'll never get there if you don't humble yourself and pray and seek his face. And then what does he say? Turn from your wicked ways. In other words, repent from the secret sins that we hold close to us. Oh, you guys look like great, wonderful church people. You do. You look holy. You look holy. You look pure. You look like great, wonderful people. But the hard truth is that there are those even in this room that have secret addictions to pornography. There are people even in this room that have secret addictions that nobody wants to talk about. No one wants to share. They have issues in their hearts, issues in their minds. There's stuff going on in the hearts of people that you say, well, well, God, well, as long as no one finds out about it, it's all right. It's okay. The people in here, you're liars. The people in here, we're thieves. The people in here, we got issues. We're gossipers. We talk crazy behind people's back. We have insecurities that God wants to deal with. Well, how does he deal with it? You have to put it on the table and say, God, I know I'm saved. I know I love you. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. But before I get there, God, help me to get this stuff right in my heart. I repent. And that's what God wants. Let me tell you something. Do you know how powerful it would be if all of us would just take all of our secret sins and place them on the altar and say, God, work on me. I admit that I'm messed up. I admit that I, I'm not perfect. I admit. You know, let's just be honest with ourselves, saints. I remember, I, remember, I remember when I was becoming a minister and becoming a pastor. 
And I said, wow, this is cool. I get to get up. I get to talk in front of people all the time, and people actually listen. <laughs> but then the responsibility hit me. But I first, I remember, I've been pastoring now for 17 years. And in that first year, I remember, I said, Lord, the responsibility has hit me so hard because not only do I have to talk about this stuff, I got to live this stuff too. And if I don't live this stuff, what's going to happen is the people are going to call me a hypocrite and it's going to shame your name. And other, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shame the name of Christ. So God, help me to walk and to live out this stuff. Because as soon as I admit that I am a Christian, there is a bullseye on me to be a Christian. Saints, humble yourself and pray and seek his face. And turn. Repent means to turn. Not 360. <laughs> 180, <laughs> turn from your wicked ways. And then what does he say? Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll hear you. You want revival? I'll hear you. Then I'll forgive your sin. I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. I won't hold it against you. I won't hold it against you. I love you. And then I'll heal the land. I want revival. I want reconciliation. I, I, want, I want us to be able to just come together and say we're one in Christ. I want that so bad. I mean, from the bottom of my soul, I want that so bad. And I grew up where people called me all kinds of names. I grew up, I left the black neighborhood, went to the white neighborhood. And when I got in the white neighborhood, I remember getting beat up by, by white people. I remember, white, I remember in gym class, I was just laying back, and here come a whole trail of white folks walking on top of me with their dirty shoes. I remember coming out of, of gym, in gym, and we just came up to, to the gymnasium. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a lighter-skinned black person, so I didn't know what they were talking about. So, but I came up, and, I, and, and my knees were... Well, they, they look kind of white. And, and, you know, I was like, man, they, everybody, they started, every, a whole crowd got around me and they started pointing at me. And they said, hey, you're, you're dirty. You're dirty. I didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, my knees were white. No, I wasn't dirty. I was ashy. You know, I, had, I didn't do no lotion. I just, I'm sorry. I needed some lotion on my knees. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I needed a little lotion. That wasn't dirty. I had just got out the shower. I was clean but I was dry. I was a kid. I didn't know to put no lotion on, you know, just whatever. Just, you know, you go have gym, run around, it'd be all right. But they all made fun of me. And it affected me. But thanks be to God. The Lord healed my heart. The Lord blessed me. I'm telling you my testimony. The Lord did that for me. And if God can do that for me and bring reconciliation in my own mind, and I'm only telling you a little bit, but let me tell you something. I've been through some stuff because of silliness of race. But if God can heal me, what could God do all throughout Chicago if we would simply walk across the street 
and not be afraid of each other and love each other and repent from our foolishness, turn from our evil ways, humble ourselves and pray. I think God can do great things. Somebody say amen. amen. God bless you, saints. God bless you. Amen. Bless you. Love you. Love you.